Well, let's let's start with a prayer. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited, unprecedented flow of divine love, intelligence, wisdom, clarity, healing. We're calling it forth. We're partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self to recognize our true nature is perfect, whole, and complete already. So we're grateful to join together in willingness to recognize the truth of our being. We are grateful and thankful to share the benefits with everyone, everywhere, and with every client that we have. In gratitude, we share the love. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. So any discoveries, any ahas in the judgment exercise? Um, it first it struck me that Job's second position, like that was, that was, or that was, you know, not me. And then to step into somebody else's world. But then when I did, um, there wasn't much to judge. I mean, I wasn't judging. I might, I mean, actually there was a few times I'd be going, oh, well, you know, maybe there's something that we can work with, you know, like, let's work on that. Let's, you know, shift that thinking or do something with it. But I didn't judge her for, um, you know, for some of the things that she was doing on my list. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love how you laugh yeah. at yourself, Rosalie. I love it. <laughs> One of the things that, that <laughs> well, here I put here a chick on the couch. Uh, did, you ever, did, you ever, did you ever read Michael Singer's book? Is that the name of the book? Michael, Michael Singer's book is called The Untethered Soul. Oh, mm -hmm. I've read that. Yeah, and, and he, I mean, this, I use it all the time, but this is, this is like the chick on the couch because <laughs> she's saying all this crap. And it's basically, he makes this thing with inner roommate, taking your mind out of your body and putting it down next to you. And listening and personifying the mind and, and, and hanging out with it for 24 hours. Mm. Now, would you really call this person up and be friends with them? Hey, let's mm. do it again, you know? But yeah, this is the same mind that we're listening to all the time. Right. So when I, when I, it's great because I use this a lot, actually. It's great. And it gives me a chance to choose the Holy Spirit because if I go, oh, it's her. Thanks for sharing. And then Hold I her choose chatty Kathy uh, with Chatty time. Kathy, yeah. She's chatty <laughs> Kathy. Or, or sometimes when she's a chick on the couch, it's just and so but going. this is what the chick on the couch is saying yeah you know it's not really the holy spirit of course yeah. not you know mm -hmm. but it's it's also what's unconsciously running the show right and until you bring it up you know <laughs> i can catch the things i'm aware of but when i'm not aware of it uh, oh this is the chick on the couch it's a ch it's the holy spirit let's choose the holy spirit you know but still i didn't judge myself for it that's great that's great you know, um, the, the, your observation is really helpful because one of the things you may find is that you may have clients who come to you and they'd like to attract a mate, right? And so you can do things like you can invite them to make a list of the qualities that they'd like to have in a mate, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, a lot of you have mates, but let's say you, you didn't, or you could just say, 
that it's a quality that your mate has, what are some qualities that you would like to have in your mate, whether they're there or not? Just name some. Humor. A sense of humor. humor. Mm -hmm. That, well, that's not really a quality, but okay. Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Intelligent. Prosperous, though, you Prosperous. could say. Intelligent. And sweet. And sweet. Creative. Creative. Thoughtful. Kind. Can dance. Can dancer. Yes. Chivalrous. What? Chivalrous. Chivalrous, yeah. Free. Free. Disciplined. Disciplined. Capable, confident, intelligent, intelligent generous, generous <coughs> playful, mm -hmm. like sexy. sexy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> down girl. Down girl. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. Um, Considerate, compassionate, Absolutely. adoring, free-spirited. I mean, integrity, some kind of spiritual connection. That yeah, that you have a spiritual connection with them. With them. Yeah. I, I think that yeah. Definitely a soul connection. Hmm? Loving. Loving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Caring, honest. Yeah. Honest. Honest, yeah. Yeah, trustworthy, transparent, mm -hmm. respectful. Yeah. I know for me, uh, one of the most important things is that I, I would like to be in a partnership with a man who feels successful mm -hmm. on his own terms, whatever they are, that he feels successful, especially at my age, you know. No, I, I mean, no, it's just a, a man who feels like a failure is, is going to be hard to partner with for me because I feel successful. Yeah. Well, would you, could you add reason, of course, and miracles or something like that? Would that be too out of line? Or no? no, you could say that if that was really important to you, yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I, that's not important to me. Right. So. Yeah, it's, not, it's not important to me if he's spiritually oriented as long as he has integrity. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's not, if he's not kicking the dog, I don't care if he speaks my language. It's my, it's my inner work I'm doing. Right. So, but it, you know, but I do care if he's, yeah. if he's mean to people, if he's out of order, if he's, but integrity, honesty, all that really stuff, yeah. that's mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Whether or not he speaks God's way, I actually, yeah. I don't care. So, uh, so let's say you have a client who makes a list of all these things that they'd like to have in their next partner or their future partner. And then you can ask them, all right, so which of these qualities don't you have? Or do you have them all already? Because since like attracts like, or do you have these qualities? Yeah. I mean, it's true that opposites do attract but why, does anybody know why opposites attract? Because it's dysfunctional. Right. That's usually what happens, right? Opposites, well, you know, it is about balance, and it is also about, like, if one person is um, very confident and outgoing and another is very insecure, they can 
create balance, but it's usually because there's something disowned in each one of them, and together they help each other own it and come come to balance with it. Mm -hmm. So um, so the the like attracts like part there is the out of balance is what's attracting versus the like the the balance attracting. Great, go ahead. Really good example. When I met my husband, I really didn't. I was had been infatuated with an older fellow, and he broke the relationship. Well, I can't say I met my husband. And my husband was very enthusiastic about me, but one of the and I wasn't thrilled. Okay, initially with him. I wasn't because I was still infatuated with the other guy. So anyway. Um, one of the biggest things that attracted me to him, though, was his sense of himself. His, his, he was strong, very strong in his own self, and he had a mother who wanted to dominate him big time and argued with her, and you know they bumped up against each other a lot. And he stood his ground, and he was never disrespectful. He was never angry at her. He just no, I'm sorry, Mom. You know, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing what I believe is right for me. And we were kids. I was 17, he was 18. But still, I saw that quality in him that he stood his ground. He was who he was. He wasn't letting anybody, you know, push him over or change him or make him do what he didn't want to do. And because I came from a home who had a father was very, very, very stern and controlling, and I had to constantly buckle under that. That was my existence. So when I met this person who was so very different, I respected that so big. I looked up to that, and I admired that in him. So that was the opposite attraction mm -hmm. in one sense. Mm -hmm. I saw in him what I could not accomplish in my life, in my with my parents. Mm -hmm. And so I, I so admired that in him. That was big. It still is. He's still very much his own person. He, he's very secure in himself. And, and I love that about him. I mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. So that was the opposite to me because I could not, if I had tried to do that in my home, I would have been slapped around or beaten up or I don't know what and not tolerated for sure. Yeah, that's a great example. I know it is. A lot of times what will happen in a couple is that, uh, let's say you ask a couple, so what was it that attracted you to your partner? And a woman might say, just making something up, um, well, I just love that he was outgoing and I could take him to a party where he didn't know anyone and he could make friends and he would be comfortable and I didn't have to babysit him. You know, he was a grown man, he could take care of himself and have conversations and, and I just really appreciated that about him. You know, and then five or 10 or 15 or 20 years later, it might be, you know, what bothers you the most about <laughs> your husband? And that same woman would say, he has to talk with everybody. He has to make friends with everybody. He can't go into a room and not have a conversation with everybody in the room. You know, it becomes like that. 
So it's just, um, it's interesting how things go. It really is. So just that that's just a thing to be aware of in relationship. Would you ask someone to make a list if they were concerned? You could ask them to make a list. Would you do that? Have you did that? I have done it. I haven't done it in a very long time. But um, people approach me in different ways now than they used to. But that that's a very helpful exercise for someone who would like to attract a partner and feels like it's not going well. And a lot of people have already done that. They've already made lists of the qualities they'd like in their partner. But what they don't recognize is that they don't have those qualities. So it's, it's about, because uh, I used to have clients who were pretty unrealistic. I don't so much anymore. But I, I'd say to them, okay, this list, if this person walked into the room where you were, would they look at you and go, oh, yeah, there they are. There's that one I've been looking for. Or would they be looking past you because you're not a match for them? You don't have those qualities. So that's just one thing is to, to know that it's um, that helps people to realize, are you really being unrealistic? Because right. some people are looking for a fantasy figure, not a real person. Right. And then they're, they're secretly thinking, I'm not good enough for my fantasy figure. And they don't even know it. It's they're, they're, They have no clue about it. But this is just a way to help some people look at, are they being realistic? someone wanted so many qualities in their life, would you ask them to write down those qualities or, or is that necessary or bad? Yeah, are you... Talk about those I, I think different it's qualities. Yes, yes, exactly. Have you done the deep desire of the heart exercise? Yeah, yeah so that's one of the things that's in Finding Freedom, it's in Masterful Living. And um, so I would, in, uh, you know, I'm going to invite you all to, um, to do that. And do it for a good 30 minutes, writing it out. So, um, do you mean, Jennifer, please need you to get clear about this. Do you want several deep desires of the heart or a main deep desire of the heart? Is this a list or is it just one Yes. Okay. It's all of those things. Okay. But you wouldn't take like your main one and write it over and over and over again for half an hour. No. Well, what, what's, what would be your main one? <coughs> um, oh, okay, sure. Um, my deep desire of my heart is to live a, hmm, well, it includes a lot, but my deep desire of my heart is to live a prosperous life of ease. Okay. And that includes partnership and service, and but I also live that out. All right, so is that the main thing, or it, 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 yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, I would say the main thing is you'd like to have a happy life. And you see that as having many different components. Mm -hmm. That's pretty normal. But would you write it? Would you write that same one over and over again for half an hour, or just like let it all fly for half an hour? I used to do so it for two it. hours at a time, and here's what I used to do. So I would write everything I could think of. So if let let's say it was about relationship, 
you could say the deep desire of my heart is to be in a fulfilling romantic partnership. The deep desire of my heart is to be in a relationship with the man I adore. The deep desire of my heart is to be in a passionate, sensual, romantic partnership. So you can just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Yeah, so it's many different aspects covering. Because for me, what the great thing about the deep desire of the heart is, if you're really feeling it, then you're doing it right, and then you're vibrating with that. And then you're naturally drawing to you that vibration that you would like to experience. And because like attracts like, whether it's a job, whether it's health, or whatever it is. And if you're wishing to attract any of that stuff to validate you, then you're probably setting up yourself for some intense life lessons. So I would say eliminate the need to be validated. Because needing to be validated is that attachment in the form of a craving or a sense of lack. Right. So if you would like to be, if you'd like to have the house to feel validated or safe, it's not going to work. It will be temporary because it won't last. Because a house does not bring safety. It doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring any of those things. It's just a house. But there's nothing wrong with wishing for a house. I would like to have a house too. You know, and my guidance has been not now. So I've had to release my attachment to it. And, um, and attachments are funny because I, I can tell you that, um, so my parents had a home that they built on an island off the coast of Maine. And, um, if, and my parents had always said, we've got it in trust for you, so we're leaving it to you and your brother and the, the two of you will share it and we hope you'll have it in your family and pass it to our grandchildren and that sounded great to me and then my dad my mom died my dad remarried and my dad said i'm selling the house i want the money and i was like what because i really love it there i have an attachment to it i had an attachment to it so i had to spend a couple of years really unhooking that attachment this is very, very strong for me. I really, really feel connected to the land there. So when I finally unhooked the attachment, then my dad said, okay, I'll sell it to you. So he sold it to me, my brother, and my sister-in-law for half price, right, which was great. So we, we bought the house in January this year, right? Now, and I'm thinking, that's great. I released the attachment last year. It was a process, and then the house came to me, right? Now, my brother and sister-in-law, they're very concerned about money, understandable. They've got kids in college and that kind of thing. And so they want to rent it all the time, except for like one to two weeks a year. They want to rent it all the time. To, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. So now I'm releasing the attachment to enjoying the house. So I have ownership of the house, but I don't get to enjoy it but <laughs> one to two weeks it. a year. Hmm? Oh, I see, because you wanted to just pop in whenever? No, but I thought, you know, if I could go, right. you know, in the springtime, 
So now I have to go in a couple weeks and get all the planting and all the gardens ready for the renters in like 10 days, you know, which is not what I was thinking. That doesn't sound like fun to me. I probably could if I wanted to pay the rent. And I could rent it for half, you know, but I'd have to give my brother and sister-in-law their half. And they're like, they're very firm about it. And I don't want you to argue with them about it. So I have to give up my attachment to enjoying the house. I never foresaw that as an issue, but there it is. But that could be temporary too. I mean, everything's temporary. Yeah. yeah, everything's temporary. So it'll shift. Yeah, yeah. it'll shift and change. But still, it's just yes. it's a process. Yes. So that's why giving up the attachments is really the only way to have happiness. So the deep desire of my heart is to enjoy the main house. <laughs> um, or, yes. Mm-hmm. Would that be the same type of notion, just giving up the attachment to that quality? Or well, it's 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 this. So, can you, can you relate to it in a specific way? Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to <laughs> tell us about it? Um, when I first met my boyfriend, I actually didn't. It's weird. I didn't like it, and then I liked it when I didn't like it. So when I first met him, I realized he wasn't very masculine. And then after a while, I was like, I actually like how um, just open, soft, vulnerable he is. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'm still, now I'm still like, okay, I'm not exactly Mm -hmm. relating to that quality. The more like I embody my feminine, I'm kind of working trying to balance that. Right. And that's what it is. It's it's, um, in romantic partnerships. Uh, in order for there to be uh, a strong sexual attraction, there almost always needs to be a sexual polarity. So it doesn't matter if you're a man or you're a woman, it's really about the masculine and the feminine. That if you're b- two really feminine people and two really masculine people are not going to have that sexual polarity. Mm-hmm. And so th- it, it's I, I've never heard uh, or seen a sexual attraction between two people who are very much the same uh, same level of femininity or masculinity. So uh, I hear what you're saying is uh, n- now you're feeling more feminine, and so if he's very feminine, it's it's not bad or wrong, but it does affect your sexual attraction probably. Yeah. So. But that's something that the two of you can work on and talk about. And it's really, it's not about changing someone so much as, because I I once had a sweetheart that I was very attracted to. I'm a very feminine woman. He was a very feminine man in a lot of ways, but not in the bedroom. No, not in the bedroom. He was like really masculine there, but he was very feminine outside the bedroom. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah. And so once I discovered, so like I wasn't really attracted to him. And then when I discovered how masculine he was 
in his sexuality, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's okay, big. That's I'm in. Big. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what I would recommend to you is you might be interested in the work of David Data, D-E-I-D-A. And um, he has a number of books. Uh, one is um, Intimate Communion. Intimate Communion. It's, it is very much about sexual polarity. And so what I would recommend is for you and your boyfriend to read it and talk about it together. Most of David, D I haven't read that book in a very long time, but most of his books are very <coughs> short chapters. So you can read one, it's like three, four, five, six pages. You can read them and, um, and it just is a great jumping off point to have a conversation. And because nobody wants to be in an intimate sexual relationship with somebody who's trying to change them. But there may be things that you can talk about where you could um, just be discussing what it is you like and what you don't like, you know, in terms of um, what appeals to you, what doesn't appeal to you. And so you can learn what appeals to him, you can learn what appeals to you, and see where you go with it. You know, a lot, it, it, all relationships are different. Some relationships become so intimate and so strong that the sexuality dissolves. You know, the sexual attraction mm -hmm. just dissolves. And some people, um, their sexual attraction gets stronger. It's, I mean, I've just, I've seen all kinds of things occur for people in their intimate relationships. No two alike. You know, some people, the first couple years of their relationship is like a war. Who's going to be the power person? Who's going to win? Until they realize, oh, okay, I'm not going to run. They're not going to run. We actually would like to do this. You know, they try to push each other away for a few years. There's all kind of just so, all many, all, so many different dynamics. I don't know if I really answered your question, Emily. Did that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that may be going on is that the more comfortable you feel in the relationship, the more comfortable you feel being a very feminine person. And so, um, and there may be ways that you can express that more that would ignite his masculinity. Because there's, there's definitely ways that a man's masculinity can ignite a woman's femininity or any person's, do you know? Um, what, why don't we just give a couple of quick examples if you can think of some. I can think of some, but. Um, how, let's say to, that uh, you could express your femininity in a way that ignites a man's masculinity. 
And maybe, Steve, you could give an example of how, well, something your wife does that ignites your masculinity. Stairs, you know, my mm -hmm. suitcases or my, or when you take the garbage out, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, acknowledging. Yeah, they love that. <laughs> they don't take anything. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, acknowledging that you yeah, appreciate that they're the providing strong. things they're for you. Open the door for you, yeah. or mm -hmm. that's true. Cooking your dinner, yeah. oh my goodness! Breakfast, oh my! Yeah. That's not in the Let's go back to the self-judgments and the release of the self-judgments. What else did you learn? Wait, we can have it now. 
what Yaris were working on is like, how can we have it now? You know, this is kind of a thing that I was like, I'm a little bit confused. And then when I was looking at kind of, so Yamrex offers us everything that we want. And so I found the practice this morning. I was like, oh, so like throughout the day, all that I just, I can have everything every day. That was kind of a weird thing to have that realization. Um, so I think that's new, you know, I just, I, I would focus more on, I'm working on, maybe there's a vision being of like, that I'm broken, and I have to work on these things in order mm. to sort of be fixed, or, mm. um, yeah. Well, a, a lot of us have in the back of our mind that we can't be happy now because our happiness is conditional, which is an opinion, right? So what does it take to be happy now? The release of the opinions and judgments that we don't have what we need to be happy. a little more and as the afternoon would go on I'd kind of harbor like I'd get annoyed at things or I'd be I'd become more judgmental so I think it was just interesting that this morning I was like wow like and I do I you know being here being in a safe space being able to you know share openly honestly these are all things that have been in my deep desires of the heart you know so they're all like sunshine grass like views or view is just like to me, and sort of a photograph or like being a soft shell for those wearing socks today who don't know. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it was an eye opener. Yeah. And me as a soft shell today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Mother Belief is kind of that, like, it's a burden. You know, kind of it's a burden to practice or. Yeah. Yeah. Not actually when I no. approach in this way of just like there's what's the gain of this. Yeah, you reach a tipping point where the the idea that the spiritual practices of burden disappears. Mm-hmm. Why does it disappear? Because it feels so good. It's safe, it's loving, you're you know you're with spirit. You just you don't want to be anywhere. Eventually, like in the beginning, it was hard for me to do the meditation because I, and it's not easy either now, but it's easier. And I and I can do it for a little bit longer time. And I, but I enjoy it. I do, I really do. And that has grown on me, that enjoyment of it. And I love prayer time. I do, and I make sure I have that every day. And if I have to, Unless, like, I'm traveling at 5 a.m. to the airport, then maybe, but then even in the car or or the driver that's taking me, I'll try to, I just seek, I crave it now. It's just, it's just like an, I don't want to say an addiction, but you know what I mean? But I love it. I love that time, so I make time for that. Because I, and, and the more I make time for it, the more I love it. The more I love it, the more I make time. So I, it's, it's a priority. 
I remember um, years ago, I was teaching a class of practitioner students, and they said, how do you get to the point where you like your spiritual practice? I said, well, it really does become, if you, if you stay with it, it really does become like, it's that thing when you're in bed with your lover and you're naked, and it's warm and everything is so good and you're like, five more minutes. Just give me five more minutes of this. This is heaven on earth. It becomes like that. Five more minutes. Oh, I don't need to do that today. I, I can put that on the schedule tomorrow so I can take another 20 minutes or whatever it is. It's, and it's similar to, not for everybody. It, it, the analogy doesn't work for everybody, but some of us, like exercising, we like working out, but when we started a particular practice, it was hard, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, like walking up this hill, you know, when you're not <laughs> yeah. used to the altitude. As my brother said when we were kids, he said, it's a heavy hill, <laughs> you know, it's walking up the mountain. But then you, when you're in shape, it's invigorating and you like it and you yeah. enjoy it yeah. and you get your endorphins going and it's fun and you've got your crew at the gym or whatever and you like the way you feel. So it's it part of that is it is being in shape and being flexible uh, spiritually. But it's also, it's about, of course, the communion. But there's another aspect to it too, which is when you have a certain... Um, experience with your spiritual practice, now you know you will have results. But when you begin, you don't know that. So it's something you're making yourself do with the hope that it will bring you what you hope it will. But you're not there yet. So you go from hoping to knowing. And you go from trying to get there to Maintaining. Yeah. 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 I think in the same token, I just kind of figured painful experiences are going to pop up whether I'm spiritual or not. So I'd rather take the like the shortest route to my happiness. Beautifully said. Yes. Jenny, you were going to. I yeah. think even being here is the confirmation of where you should go. And it's so when I talk about pop, like I text Jenny about yesterday, being like, oh my God, like, you know, because I went down that, I always find it annoying. I'm like, oh, I'm going away and, you know, the foolish. That's right. I'm, I'm doing it that way as opposed to like, yeah, you know. To be grateful yeah. for it. Yeah. Because you can chalk it off and it can let it go. Yeah. And it's great. It's yeah. just great. It's all good. Yeah. It's just all good. Yeah, put you know. in the right direction. It helps you go mm -hmm. in the direction you want to go. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's weird to like and this is a yay piece. Mm -hmm. Like this is just gonna help find it for me. Yep. Yeah, I, I certainly went from with the ten thousand things going from oh my god, every ten seconds it's something whoa, my God, this is unbearable. 
And I, I, as some of you have heard, I would do this thing where I laid on the floor and I do this whole release and I get up and I, I wouldn't be able to take one step before I started judging again. And then I'd just be like, oh my God, oh my God, how, you know, so intense, it's so thick. But I just, I just made up my mind, I am doing this. Mother, Father, God, I am doing this thing. It is happening. I will not fail because God cannot fail. God doesn't know anything about failure. Failure is not something that is real. It's just an illusion. So I am succeeding. And that's, that's how I got through it. And now it's like Jenny says, now you, you find something and you're like, oh, great, I can give this up. Life without this will be fabulous. Thank you very much. Got that going for me, rocking this day, <coughs> right? Totally different experience, right? It's because we shift our identification. So that's one of the things is that a lot of your clients are going to come to you. They're going to be identified as people who have problems. And your job is to see that that's a false identity. So one of the biggest triggers that's going to happen is people are going to come in probably, and they're going to tell you about their very big problems. You know, and they will have problems that seem huge. You know, their child is dying. You know, in Mask for Living Year 2, we have someone whose child, we've known Tim for the last year or so, that he has been slowly losing his health to a disease and his mother's been living with it and and that's her and his challenge but he has 16. Hmm? He's 16. Right? no he's older than that yeah he's I, I don't know how old he is but he's older than that no no he's in uh, she is in our class his mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so you're saying like people will come in with these amazing like problems. That's intense, that's seen when intense you challenges. Them. Yeah. So then, well, how do you? What do you? Where do you go with that? Well, you're not trying to solve their challenge. What you're doing is you're supporting them and seeing it correctly. So for me, the number one thing is I don't have to figure it out. Yeah. I really, I go back to that every time. I don't have to figure out how to solve my client's challenges. That's not my job. Right. That is spirit's job. Because if I'm trying to help my client problem solve, what am I doing? You're taking spirit's place. That, that's a good, yeah. That's I mean, you're, and that was bubble and block spirit. Yes. That, that's a good answer, and there's more answers. So, no, no, no. So that's a really good one, but I just want to say there's oh, yeah. more to it than that. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm, I'm gonna, let's role play it this way. So, um, so we'll just take it because you brought it up, Jenny. So um, if you came to me and you said, all my life I've had this tremendous anxiety and I'd really like to live a life without anxiety, but I find that it's, it's really, it's, I mean, you could over-dramatize it, but if you went back a couple years to how you felt about it, what would you, what might you have said? It's just so much a part of your life, is what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah. It had been there always. Yeah, so I just, um, I suppose I would describe it like connecting with a dot, a big chunk of dot. And I don't know what to do with the big chunk, like an open bulb. Like, um, yeah, like I'm just trying to run and catch up and keep up and try and do what other people, or what, you know, what pe people say life is, but I don't So let's say I say to you in a classic therapist technique, I'm going to repeat it back to you to let you know I understood you. All right. So let's say I say to you, so what I hear you say is that your life is really, it's awful. You're afraid all the time. You're anxious all the time. You're constricted all the time. You're having panic attacks. And it's dominating your choices. and you're not able to really enjoy your life or have fun and you feel afraid all the time. That, that's just that's horrible. That's horrible, Jenny. Oh my God. Oh my God. That is horrible. So, oh, oh, that's sad. Sad. Would a therapist do that? No, no, a therapist wouldn't do that. Oh. Um, <laughs> no therapist I know would do that, but some some therapists do have. Um, I mean, I've had therapists tell me some. I mean, clients tell me some crazy ass stuff that their therapists have told them. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I'm I am o being overly dramatic for a pur purpose, right? So that's buying into the problem. That's buying into there is a real problem. Yeah, oh my God, you have a real problem. Oh, this is big. But that's how we what we do in spiritual counseling because there is no big problem. There is no small problem because there really is no problem. It's all an illusion. There's no actual problem. Of course, in miracles is the only problem you have is that you think you have a problem, basically. But you don't have a problem. So that's, that's the way we approach our spiritual counseling is this is their perception of their problem. There's no big or small. So whether their perception or their seeming problem is they're grieving their child is dying or their spouse is dying or their... Um, friend is dying or their parent is dying because these are the things that people mm -hmm. 
deal with. I, I mean, I've dealt with it. Probably most of you have dealt with it. So we're dealing with these challenges. And each one is perfectly designed for that person. So we start from the base point of knowing that nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong. Everything is perfect. And what we are doing is we're helping the person to eliminate the judgments, the beliefs, the opinions. And that's the foundation of our work, is to help them recognize that they have beliefs and judgments and opinions. That's what's upsetting them, not what's happening. Yeah. And and yet not buy into the fact that it's a real that it's that it's also an illusion. It's not that it's it's an judgment or a belief or an idea that she's bought into and not the fact that her actual child is dying. Yeah. So what, how would you So first of all, that? I would never ever make her wrong for how she feels. Of course not. Yeah. But that, that but sometimes people will try to make other people wrong about how they feel and sometimes therapists will be so intimidated by how their client is feeling, they will try to shut it down mm. or jump over it intellectually. Uh, and spiritual people will do a spiritual bypass, you know, meaning, you know, oh, my dog was just killed this morning. And you're like, well, it's all good. It's all good. You can have another one. Yeah, yeah, you know, life is eternal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can't, you can't, you can't go to the spiritual bypass. You can't go to the spiritual truth of it when someone is upset. So you have to be with them where their feelings are. And so, uh, someone is grieving. A loved one is dying or has passed away. You, you're sitting with them and you're asking them, how do they feel about it? You're asking that. You're giving them a safe space to say what their thoughts are. Because this is this is the most extreme attachment, right? For most people. Not always. Some people have more extreme attachments. You know, you can think of O.J. Simpson and his wife, right? The, the, right? His, mm. He would rather have her be dead than not be his possession, right? So. It's quite an attachment. Yeah, it's quite an attachment. Right, exactly. So sometimes death is not the, the biggest obstacle for some people. It's not being able to control the person is a bigger obstacle, mm -hmm. or not being able to control their body. Their own body is an obstacle. So it's number one, having compassion for where they are and giving them a safe space to talk about how they feel. And that could go on really. could go on for months. Week after week after week. It could, for sure. So I kind of like to think of it like um, more reasonably, because I used to not want, because of the spiritual bypass thing, I used to not let myself have my own human reaction. And so now I kind of let myself have my human reaction and say whatever I would want to say on a human level, you know, like, oh, I'm so mad at you when you did that, or I really felt so wrong that you said that whatever it is I want to say and whatever emotions I have cry about it whatever I feel like rage or 
And then, well, I already accorded to Emily Pappalda was on the cast, mm-hmm. but then she was a part of for the forgiveness. Well, they both forgiveness. They were both mm-hmm. a part of um, a spiritual description of the bridge and how beautiful it was being shaped at this situation. And I'm ready to receive it now. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's unfurled. Mm-hmm. I just find that so powerful. Like I've just been like blown away because I, okay, like I've been really mad with my wife saying like it's it's my mom, you know, or this, and so just like raging because I just can't believe you did that. And like that behavior was just outrageous and all of these things. And then like spirit, like what would I, and saying all the things that my my human part really wanted to say and then going to spirit and just letting my like my higher self come through and what do I really want to say from this higher self and then I see I see the beauty in the and I get it I get that it's a key I get that it's a big like you know that actually you know while the behavior wasn't appropriate and it wasn't and it it hurt me as a child that my my mum didn't know she just didn't know any better right that was absolutely yeah and like so that was unloving I don't intended it to be unloving for sure not yeah but if I had tried to say that to myself oh yeah you know my mum like it just I would I just would have whatever I don't want to hear that I don't want to hear that she didn't mean it in the moment like she she didn't know what she was doing my human part felt like she knew what she was doing and it felt like she was trying to hurt me so that's been a really practical <coughs> way for me to and a long path to be able to stay with my my partner in that but like it's been a journey to be able to let myself feel and then move into that other space exactly so that's it. When when uh, a client comes with a, a lot of intense emotion and feeling about something, a great deal of upset, and it may be very deeply buried, right? I remember one time in a workshop, uh, this person realized that the dysfunction that I was describing in the workshop, they said, my whole life is like that. But they said it like this, my, my whole life is that, my every relationship, everything. And I said, and how, how do you feel about that? And they said, I'm so angry. <laughs> they said, I'm so angry. But they whispered it, I'm so angry. That's where they start. So giving them a safe space to release the emotion. So that's one thing you may need to be prepared for is to be able to sit with someone comfortably and they are having a lot of emotion, buckets full of tears, angry, yelling maybe. That like, is that okay with you? Can you... Are you okay with that? Really okay with that? Because if you're if if that if you're not okay with that, you can it's probably because you're not okay with your own feelings. If you have a lot of pent-up rage or a lot of pent-up sadness or hurt, then somebody else expressing it may really trigger you. It may <coughs> be upsetting. 
So what did you do with him? He's like, I mean, like, how do you know when she's done processing that anger? I mean, you can't, I don't even know what's there, you know? What, how did you get her to emote or just that's how she does did it quietly? So that's a great question. So this was a workshop. So there wasn't, that wasn't going to happen right. in a workshop with a whole lot of other people. But if she were my client and she were coming to me, what I would do is I would, of course, following her lead of what she was prepared to talk about, I would ask her to tell me about certain things. It's, it's often not great to start with how do you feel about things. So, like, for instance, I'll just say that Jenny and Patricia uh, are, they, they were here a few days ahead of you, so they were processing a lot of stuff before you even got here. So they were, like, on a roll when you walked into the room. So they're, and, and they've also experienced a whole bunch of other people sharing and they're being intimate. So they're, like, up to speed. They're ready to rock. They're ready to, you know, be transparent. They've seen that it's safe, it's profitable, it's valuable, it's working. So they're just, you know, a few steps ahead of the whole group because of that, which is great. So it's a foundation. And Carol's been doing so much of the work, too, in class. She's in year two of Masterful Living. So she's, and she's also done a few retreats with me where she sat down and started crying with somebody she just met five minutes ago. <laughs> so she also has the memory of it being safe and all of that. So there's those things going on. And, um, and so, um, and, and then you add to that, Jenny has had this training as a, as a, a psychotherapist. And, and you've done a lot of processing, right? So um, they, they have that facility already. Um, and, but most people come to it, they don't have that facility already. So you're giving them the safe space to develop those, that skill set of talking about their feelings. So a lot of new clients, unless they, they have this kind of history, they're not going to be able to come in and start talking about their feelings. They're going to tell you what they think about things. And you can gently, like I did with Patricia, because we've been here for days now, right? It's tomorrow it'll be a week we've been here, okay, for her. So um, uh, when she, she said something earlier today, I asked her how did she feel, and she told me what she thought. That's very common. It's true. I do it too. You know, my therapist will say, how'd you feel about that? And I tell them what I thought. So um, uh, you, 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 you wouldn't necessarily wish to say, well, that's, you didn't really tell me how you feel. You only told me what you thought. So you can just let people tell you what they think and then say, with, as though you never asked the question before, you could say, so I, I get that's what you were thinking at the time. And how were you feeling at the time? Maybe phrase it in a slightly different way with a slightly different emphasis. You'll get a different answer. All right. Now, um, <coughs> one of the things about counseling is it's so healing if people can just express how they feel. Because many, many, many people, like Jenny was talking about, you're, you're in traumatic and difficult situations 
you've never processed you've never thought about how you felt you don't even know how you felt weren't allowed to family you weren't allowed you were just a kid you listen to mom and dad you do what you're told that's right. Seen but not heard. Never mind that they never knew Seen me. Never knew who I really was. That's right. So I'm not used to telling you my feelings. So I even now at this right. age, it's not easy for me. That's right. And a lot of people in their marriages, they don't talk about how they feel. In their families, they don't talk about how they feel. No. They really don't. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to know how you feel. We know how you feel. You're not happy. You don't like it. We know that. We don't want to talk about that. Pass the pasta, right? No, really. What am I going to, I don't want to know how you feel. I can't help you with it. I have been traumatized. I can't help you. I can't help myself. We're going to focus on what's on television. Right. What color do you want to Yeah, and if, if the TV thing makes you cry and that helps you, Great, mm -hmm. but I don't want to. I can't help you with it. That's how a lot of people feel. Right. I have talked with many, many adults who their parents yeah. literally said to them, "Shut up, stop crying, or I'll give you something to really right. cry about." Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. So. And that, this is the thing about A Course in Miracles. It's about joining with your brothers and sisters so you both have a healing. And that really is what spiritual counseling is about. Through me offering compassion to my clients, I was offering compassion to myself. That's the holy relationship. That's what A Course in Miracles talks about. That's what we're doing here. So a lot of times it is being incredibly patient and allowing people to really talk about how they feel. And I'm going to, um, let me just check in. Does anybody need a bathroom break? How are you I'm doing? Trying to get yeah. All right, that's what I was feeling. Let's, let's just take a pause, and we'll come back. I told you, I'm good, I did, I did. I mean, 